now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Right, people. Hello. We're gonna open this song, this show up with Michael W. Smith's song "Missing Person." It's a few minutes long. Sit back, enjoy, while we see if Periscope lets anybody see the show. I have one person in there out of six thousand that have said they want to be notified. Yeah, one whole person came in. Woohoo! Periscope, come on, Periscope, roll it out to three people. Come on, Periscope, you can roll out to four people. Maybe a hundred people. How about a thousand people? That would be so awesome. Yeah, it would. Anyway, let's let's get into this song, people. If you're watching the replay, feel free to uh, share it out. Mm-hmm. Randall Pandlebear is going to sing. Sounds like it. This is such an old song, Michael W. Smith. Yeah, you have. 
that missing person. Linda. All right. We're going to go ahead and turn that down. Nicely yeah. done. Thank you. Better yeah. than, yeah. Better than the rough ending? Stops, yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I've learned a few things in yeah. 16 years of doing this. Yeah, better than the yeah. usual cutoff that uh, usually happens. The abrupt ending. All right. Well, anyway, hey, everybody. Glad you're here. Thank you for coming in. If you're brand new to the show, I'm your sweet and lovable host. Yeah, I am. And um, hi, Lindsay in uh, in Periscope. And anyway, and um, anyway, I'm your host. Yeah, I am. It is 8 o'clock, give or take, on Sunday night, February 16th, 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So if you're new to the show, every Sunday night, what we do, generally speaking, is we, you know, kind of open the show up with some news or commentary or something, hopefully semi-inspiring. And then Bareface, he does a Bible study at the end of it, which is usually the half of the show. But tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to do the same thing that we usually always do. And then Bareface will jump in and he will um, do some stuff. But we, uh, I wanted to share with you, first, just say hi to a couple people, so, um, I don't know, uh, Mia's there, I think Samantha Lesbian left, I don't know, Samantha, if you're still there, you can say hi, Samantha Lesbian said, I want to change my lesbian lover life, please pray for me, thanks, so, and hi from New Zealand, so that's so cool, you're in New Zealand, I think that's really nice, one of these days, I want to go there, um, I've been to Australia, which is a very nice country well it's been burning though but unfortunately some that's been sad some sad stuff that's happened over there um but 
Uh, today, Randall and I, we, we did our uh, truck stop ministry thing that we do every month, which is when we go down to, um, is it a, what is it? What is it? It's, it's a trailer. <laughs> Trying to quote, what is it that I'm we not go sure down where to? Where you going? Yeah, so we go down to this trailer, and and the it's at, it's actually at a truck stop for big rigs. Yeah. You know, and um and and we invite the 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 drivers to come in and and hear the gospel, kind of sit have some time for some and fellowship. fellowship. And today was really good. We um, Randall had a couple come in, a married couple, mm-hmm. and um, they came in while while they were in with him. I was actually in the um, restaurant, Restaurants. just kind of looking around, talking to people, and and I sat with a, a female truck driver um, who, um, she was funny. She had a good sense of humor, actually. <laughs> I told her my foot foot joke, people. Mm-hmm. And she still came with me to hear Randall <laughs> after that. So uh, it was kind of cool. Um, yeah, and you know, it was interesting. Um, I think sometimes people forget that, you know, long-haul truck drivers have families they have different concerns and stuff that they go through and um i was completely inspired and encouraged by you know the woman because you know here's a woman and karen if you if you're watching if you happen to tune in uh, to the show i say hi it was a total blessing meeting you and um you know you have one of the the sweetest smiles and temperaments that i've seen in a very long time and um uh, it was really cool. It's really cool hanging out with you. Yeah, it was. So I hope I hope you're seeing us. And if you do, leave me a comment if you can figure figure out how to do it. But Karen has been driving a, a big rig for 20 years, uh, which says something about her as a person, which means she doesn't take any crap from anybody. Um, and um, but just still sweet, you know. Um, and so we Randall did the message, and then um, and then. Karen wanted us to stay and play some music, so we Randall played some music. I played some music. Hey, Sean. Good evening. Good evening, Sean, with an E-A-N. And <laughs> um, anyway, so Sean, um, yeah, so we played some music on our guitar, and then we kind of showed her a little bit how to play the guitar a little bit, um, and it was cool. It was just really cool. It was a nice opportunity to show up and just be an encouragement. And that's really all it is. That's all Truck Stop Ministries really is. It's just an opportunity to go in there, to show up, just to be present for people that everybody else pretty much ignores and forgets about. Yeah, you know, because they're often on the road days or, you know, weeks at a time and often don't have an opportunity to fellowship right? anywhere. And so, yeah, so that was kind of a, very cool. Yeah, and there are several um, placed across the U.S., uh, mostly southward. I guess there's one in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Leon, he was asking me about that if I knew one of the chaplains up in Indiana. So I guess there's a... Well, Karen told me that she would come back for sure. Yeah. I said, well, I hope that we're here when you do because we're not here every week. But we, you know... Yeah. Pretty cool. I was to make sure to tell them that, uh, you know... If you're not going to be here at nine o'clock, if you're ever back this way, you know, every week, well, Sundays actually, at nine a.m. I didn't get the I didn't get a chance to tell you this, but what I will tell you is that um, when I talked to the 
the lady in the restaurant, she told me that the majority of the truckers come in around noon. Hmm. So I told her, I said, well, that might be a better time for us to come in and do something than, you know. Yeah. Like pretty much any day of the week, she said that's, that's the hmm. busiest time. She said morning isn't that busy, hmm. which would explain why we're not getting that many people coming in the morning. But, Good to know. But, you know, truckers are coming in, you know, hmm. mid-morning and noon for lunch and stuff. And, hmm. you know, of course, if they're all eating lunch at that time. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Just something to think about. Something to pray about. Yeah. Figure out, you know, maybe the where the higher the higher need is for yeah. that. Um, and maybe later in the day. Yeah. Now, I, I jokingly say on my uh, morning stretch call with my team that, you know, when I introduce myself, I'm, you know, Stacy Lynn from, from Spring Hill, Tennessee, encourager to the masses, you know. I kind of jokingly say that, but it's not really a joke. Recently, it's come to my attention that that I really am an encourager. <laughs> a little bit outspoken. But, um, but you know, I, I do. I try to encourage people. I try to encourage people who are downhearted or um, they're feeling uh, left out or like in their faith, you know. I was reading today in John chapter 4. Tomorrow I'm going to be uh, leading our... Bible study that I've been doing with a couple of women here, you know, Mia, hopefully you can come Mia. I got to send out the tweet to remind everybody, but, um, but we're going to be looking at John chapter four. And, you know, as I was reading through that and then thinking about the study I did locally with some of my other friends and preparing this for them as well. Um, have you, have you ever thought, and, and I don't know how this is going to tie into Randall's thing, which I'm just sharing with you my thoughts here just for a minute. First of all, I encourage you to go read John chapter 4. Um, this is a, a very pivotal uh, chapter in the ministry of Christ where he has this encounter with the Samaritan woman. We don't know her name, but one of the things that is really cool is that Christ treated her with the utmost respect and she actually treated him with respect which was a high that was a big issue back then because the Samaritans and the Jews didn't necessarily like each other or talk um, but what I noticed in my study was that the Samaritan woman had a lot of questions for the Lord and I'm not going to get them to him right now but you read through John chapter 4 and you'll see the questions that she asked him and you'll see how he answered them and I think you know uh, we learn a lot in um, um, in in you know marketing and sales and stuff to ask questions. You know um, how to be an influential person. Ask questions. Um, I mean, my background. I'm trained in asking questions. You know, I'm trained in listening to people what they don't say, what they do say. And sometimes God just gives me wisdom. Are you okay? Please stand by. Yeah. Do you, do you know what happened to him? No. Okay. Our dog is blind and um, he, I think he ran into something. Mm. <laughs> Wouldn't be Welcome hard. Welcome to live broadcasting. <laughs> Our poor little animals. boy. Well, this morning. Okay. So I get home. This is just a sidetrack here, but we get home and Grover, he 
he is blind and you wouldn't know it if you were watching him here at our house because he walks around the house. He knows the house pretty well, even though he's blind. And usually he follows my voice if I talk to him. But tonight, okay, so here's the couch. Grover is over here. Like, I'll do it this way. So Grover's like over here. You didn't see this, but he, he you know, he, he usually takes a running leap to get on the couch. But usually he's over here when he does it. And he'll go, then he'll, he'll leap and go, and then he'll slide on the couch and kind of smash into the back. Well, a little while ago, he came diagonally, and he he went to run, and he leapt up, and he landed, like, right here, and the front of his paws just barely hit the front of the couch. <laughs> it was so sad. It was funny and sad at the same time. <laughs> Fortunately, he didn't hurt himself, but I, I feel so bad for him. And, you know, it's a good analogy, too, right? You know, people in the world are blinded and they can't see where they're going and they smash into stuff because um, they're not following the voice of God, people. Yeah, how'd you like that tie-in? But anyway, but anyway, back to my point about <laughs> the Samaritan woman and the conversation that she is having with the Lord. Uh, it really struck me the the respect and the inquisitive nature of this woman. You know, the Samaritans had a way of worshiping and the Jews did too. And this is what kind of the whole gist of that beginning part of that chapter is about is the big debate. Well, how shall we worship? You know? Um, but the Lord offered her living water and he also revealed to her, and this is why the story is so significant he revealed to her that he was the Messiah. And she was a well-read woman, I believe, or at least highly educated, in my opinion. I kind of get that from what her questions were. She wasn't stupid. It wasn't like she was asking dumb questions of, of the Lord. She was asking, you know, theological questions and questions that were in line with what the Jews believed. She knew that the Messiah was going to show up any time. And then the Lord basically... Well, he didn't basically, he just flat out told her, I'm he who, you know, who you're looking for. Um, and, you know, I don't know about you, but her response was amazing because the Lord confronted her with the fact that she had been married five times, had five husbands, and the one man that she was with then is also not her husband. So that's six men that this woman has been with. And... She said to him, hey, I perceive that you're a prophet, which obviously could have been the thing. Or, or as I've heard other people teach, well, maybe, you know, the gossip was going around town and, and, you know, she was showing up at the well at noon because she was an outcast, blah, blah. There's nothing really to substantiate that. What's, and, and the thing that's interesting is that Christ was just coming through Samaria. He wasn't, he didn't have to go the route that he went. He actually went out of his way, I think just to meet that woman. Um, you know, anyway, but her testimony was basically, hey, this guy told me everything that I ever did. Go and hear him. And, you know, it goes on to talk about how the, the Samaritans, they eventually went to hear him. And many believed not anymore because of what she said, but because of what he said. And... I think that there are a lot of lessons in there for us as, as disciples. 
you know, number one, learn to ask good questions, you know, and you can't ask good questions in anything unless you're paying attention to what a topic actually is. So like in sales, I can't learn to ask good sales questions or present an issue unless I know what it is that I'm trying to sell and get people to buy, right? Or what people want to buy. In fact, I saw uh, a lady on TikTok, um, she, she sells on Etsy. And one of the things that she was talking about was she was talking about how she went to a, I guess, Goodwill or something. And she bought these coffee cups with saucers, but in the way that they were packaged, she, she made a point to point out how they were packaged. Um, they were just kind of thrown into a box. But then she saw another person at that store who bought a saucer and a coffee cup and they had taken tape and they had taken the tape and placed it over and taped the cup on top of the saucer and they made it look really pretty. And she noticed that that packaging would be how she could sell this, which this really cute coffee cup set that was, you know, kind of like whatever. She realized the way she packaged it, she could make more money. And it's the same way with, you know, our faith, how we, how we share our faith can determine, you know, how many people listen to us, how many people pay attention to what we have to say. And in the beginning, they may pay attention to what we have to say about the Lord. But then eventually the goal is to get that person to read the Bible for themselves and pay attention to what the Lord says about himself. Because it's never about us as the messenger. You know, we can take the, the, the lesson from John the Baptist, you know. John the Baptist said, hey, you know, he must increase, I must decrease. John the Baptist is a really good example to follow. Because he wasn't about himself. He wasn't like a lot of people today. Like, oh, you know, so-and-so ministries or whatever. It's like, no, John the Baptist didn't have a John the Baptist ministry. <laughs> LLC, you know, nonprofit, whatever. <laughs> Actually, he was a prophet, though. Uh, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, it was. Anyway, so with that said, I should share that uh, tonight Randall's going to be in First John chapter 5. But we want to thank our sponsor first, Ariel Ministries, which I highly recommend that you check out. Go to ariel.org. You guys, Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum has done an amazing lifetime work that you and I can both benefit from. Um, you know, they actually just launched a online school for Ariel Ministries, which you can take. You can actually learn from Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum via video and you know, all you got to do is get used to his voice. Once you get used to Arnold's voice, what this man teaches is gold. I mean, it's amazing. This guy is a world-renowned international Bible scholar, professor, and teacher. Uh, and he knows God's word. He understands the, the Jewish roots of your faith, of our faith. And he makes the Bible come to life in a way that most pastors don't because he well, number one, he's not a pastor, but number two, he gives you that background that makes the Bible come to life in a way that an American westernized pastor isn't going to unless they study it and they understand the culture in which it's written. Just like I talked about, you know, the six ways to be born again in Pharisaic Judaism, Nicodemus didn't ask that question that he asked the Lord in John chapter three. He didn't ask it in a, in a vacuum. He asked it because... He understood from Judaism 
Pharisaic Judaism that to be born again, there were six, six different ways. So his question about, you know, what was, what must a man be born again? Can he go back into his mother's womb when he is old? That's very key because to Nicodemus, who the conversation was with, you know, there's that whole frame of reference. And you got to remember that even with the Samaritan woman, there's that whole frame of reference. You know, the Lord, and this is something about God that we don't remember sometimes. And Randall hit on this this morning, and maybe he'll hit on it a little bit tonight. Jesus came to represent and to show grace and truth and mercy. He didn't come to judge us, you know. He, he took the judgment on himself so that we didn't have to be judged, right? Um, and that's kind of key because he could have came in and talked to the Samaritan woman and he could have, first of all, he, he could have just shunned her like all the other Jews did. He could have completely ignored her and, you know, looked down on her. Or if the Lord was a scumbag like Satan is, he could have came and tried to seduce her and realized that, well, she's obviously got an issue with men because she's obviously been with five husbands and there's obviously a problem, right? Because she's got all these men in her life. But he didn't. He didn't. He came to offer her eternal life, but he confronted her in her sin, right? Or with sin. And, you know, even if you don't want to call it sin, he confronted her with the facts of her life that nobody could deny. And he didn't reject her because of that. And I want you to think about that because sometimes people think that they can't come to Jesus because they have all this, this baggage in their life or they have all these bad things that happen or, or nobody will love me because I've been divorced or I've been abused and, you know, God couldn't love me because of this or, you know, I did drugs and God won't love me because of that or I was a prostitute and he won't love me because of that. And by the way, some people like to imply that the Samaritan woman was a prostitute. There's nothing, there's no evidence to that fact. But what I can say is that you come to the Lord just as you are and he comes to you just as you are. He doesn't, he doesn't ignore people in the state that they're in. He came to save people because he loves you just the way you are. I mean, you're the only creation that God made in his image. And um, that's something to hold on to, especially on the days when you're feeling like, you know, I don't even know, <laughs> you know, because we all know our thoughts, right? We all know our brokenness. We all know our sin, whatever that is. Um, we wonder sometimes, can, why does God love us? Well, it's because when you become a Christian, he doesn't see that anymore. He sees Jesus, you know, you're hidden in Christ. That literally means exactly what it says. You're hidden. If you read the book of Colossians chapter three, I believe it is, you'll, you'll see that you'll, you're hit. He doesn't see your sin. He sees the Lord's forgiveness and he sees him. And so we don't have to, you know, worry about it because he loves us. Right. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. And out of all the world religions in the world, um, we have the, the religion, if you will where our God loves us. He doesn't require works from us. He just wants us to love him back. That's it. I mean, pretty simple, you know? Uh, so be encouraged in that. Um, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to pass this over to Randall. Um, and, um, and just 
you know, remind you if you want to donate to our show at any time. Thank you to those of you who do. You can donate over at BibleNewsRadio.com. And if you want Legal Shield or ID, identity theft protection, uh, I'm in a contest this month. And uh, it would be super awesome if I could win. <laughs> so if you want to help us win that contest, you know, and you've been thinking about getting Legal Shield or identity theft protection for yourself, don't do it unless you really want it. Uh, just get in touch with me. And or if you want to be an associate, that would be, be that'd be super awesome. That's really what I need. I need a team. I need some associates who are going to get trained and go out and start selling this membership because this membership actually, uh, it, it helps people and it changes lives. And, and I have, I have stories I can't even share because they're so personal with some of my friends. They won't let me share them. But what I can tell you is that I wouldn't be selling it if it was crap. Okay. Just saying it's, it's changing people's lives. It's, I mean, we share our testimony all the time, but, but, um, if you're interested, you, you want to earn some side money, um, you know, and you're willing to put in some work to do it, you don't even have to leave your house. You can do it online. I actually know t a number of associates that work this business solely online through social media. So you can do that too. But anyway, get in touch with me if that's if that's something that interests you because I would love for you to be on my team. I need some active members to do the work so that they can they can level up, they can get, you know, um, some money in your pocket and make other people's lives better by changing their life for the better. So, all right. So with that said, Bareface, if that is not your real name. And it is not. But you're so cute. Why, thank you. Yeah, you are. Look at you. You're so stinking cute. Yeah, I are don't you tired? try to be. Um, a little bit. I'm a little bit My tired. eyes are just kind of. My eyes are tired. Irritated for some reason. Your eyes are irritated too, so are mine. Yeah. Pretty soon, people, I may be wearing these all the time. Yeah. Right now, though, it's like, it's difficult because, I mean, it's not difficult to wear these. It's just that that I can see clearly now, but this I can't. And that I can't read with these on. I need some that, you know. Bifocals? Well, I need, I need the transition to... First of all, I think my eyes have gotten weaker, which... But don't I look scholarly with these on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Honestly, I think these are the best glasses I've ever had in my whole life. They are definitely the most expensive I've ever had in my right. whole life. So, <laughs> uh, But anyway, okay, Bareface, do you mind if I pray for you? Um, No, I don't mind. Okay. Go ahead. Lord... I just want to say thank you for this time right now that we have to be in your word. And I ask, Father, that as Randall teaches, uh, that you would just give him your words, and that you give him your your insight, that you would um, just speak speak through him and use him right now. I pray that you would comfort and convict and counsel and encourage the people who are tuned into this, whether they're live here right now or whether they're on the archive listening to the podcast or watching the live stream. Um, Lord, I know that you know all of our needs and um, I thank you because you're awesome. Yeah, you are. Um, so I just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, one of the girls tonight prayed. She was a little girl and she prayed, Lord, help us to get to know you better. Great. And one of the other... Uh, teachers at Awana, she was like, oh, 
<laughs> I know. I was like, just out of the mouth of babes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just help us to get to know you better. That's what it's about. That's it. Knowing him and making him known. All right. Well, if you've been with us as we've going through of, uh, the epistle of the first epistle of John, or the epistle First John, um, where the John that we were speaking of earlier, not John the Baptist, but John's Gospel. Um, now the elder John, at the time that he wrote this letter, and a general letter, not to a specific, uh, not to a specific congregation, or to named individuals, but uh, a letter to um, believers at large, and probably in his, you know, 80s at this point, uh, John the Beloved and the Elder uh, had high regard in the church, and so when he uh, wrote a letter with the church for the capital C, you know, whether it be at Ephesus or Antioch or wherever they were, uh, he had a reputation of uh, just being, uh, you know, someone to listen to, someone who would walk with the Lord you know, during his earthly ministry and continued to walk with the Lord in faith after the Lord's ascension. And so just... Um, you know, was seen as he was just well respected. So when this letter comes around, if you were here for chapter one, or you're probably familiar with the epistle, uh, in in the first chapter, of course, again, John didn't write the letter in chapters; it was just a continuous letter. <clears throat> Excuse me, but you know, we were we refer to chapters and verses to to find things easier, and. So in chapter one, uh, perhaps you recall, you know, what was the message, you know, of all this experience of with the Lord, with the Messiah, is you know, their hands handled, their eyes see, their ears heard, all this thing uh, concerning the word of life, and he said, "This is the message which we have heard from Him, and declare unto you." What was that message? That message is that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And that theme continues uh, throughout the letter. First of all, we looked at how if someone says they don't have sin, they're lying to themselves. And if they say they continue in sin and have fellowship with the Lord and with the church, that they're not being honest either. Uh, you know, they make him a liar. And talked about... Um, about loving one another in general, that you know, one someone who says they, um, um, well, that's coming later, but <laughs> came later, but uh, a person that hates his brother, or you know, uh, is, is walks in darkness and doesn't know where he's going. Uh, and just this, again, this whole idea that there is no gray area, um, whether it be love for the brethren, whether it be false prophets and antichrists, um, whatever it is, John makes this uh, clear delineation between, you know, good and evil, light and darkness, uh, what's, what's right and what's not, that God isn't that way. God's character is grace and truth. You know, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, Messiah is 
and there's no room for this kind of wishy-washy, well, I don't know, and compromise or gray area. It's this or it's that. It's light or it's dark. And again, I think of the writer of Hebrews, who talks about maturing in the faith. And the hallmark of having a mature faith is to be able to discern good from evil. Um, and sometimes it may seem tricky, but the more our faith is, the more mature we are in our faith, the more that we know the Lord and make him known, it uh, becomes easier to discern good from evil. So, trying to think about other things we've been through. I'm trying to pick out highlights as I'm going through the different chapters. And last week we uh, wrapped up chapter 4. Again, going back to the idea of, that's right, the title of the episode was not All Love is Love. We talked about that agape love, that it comes from God. We look back to John chapter 1. It talked about uh, how one becomes a child of God. It's not by it's not by blood, it's not something you inherit, it's not by the will of the flesh, something that we decide. Uh, it's not by the will of man, something that can be conferred upon you by certificate or baptism or anything else, but by the will of God. That um, the new birth is something that God uh, originates, God initiates. And our response, we be, if we believe and receive, uh, we're born again, born of God. Not of blood, will of the flesh, will of man, but but of God. And so, uh, John talked about that love and maintaining, residing, um, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Abiding in that love. So that, and if we're in that love, that there is no fear in love. If we understand we're perfected in that love, agape love, and understand and comprehend God's love for us, there's no fear, no fear of judgment. In fact, not just an absence of fear, that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. Uh, similarly, it reminds me again that the writer of Hebrews says, you know, that we may uh, boldly approach the throne of grace to find help in time of need. And that there's this fear, then that person is not perfected in love. And so we're going to go ahead to John chapter 5, the last chapter in this letter. Again, the way it's just broken up in, in the scriptures that we have. John didn't write in chapters, but it makes it convenient for going through it. So, John chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, again, Looking at the King James Version, not because I'm the King James only freak, but because it's a good translation and the older English preserves uh, uh, singular and plural second person pronouns. There you go. Something we've lost in modern English. So, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And, uh, again born of God. It's not of blood or the will of the flesh, will of man, born of God. And that comes through believing and receiving. Uh, Yeshua, you know, God is salvation, God saves, is the Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, 
whoever believes that Yeshua is the Messiah is born of God. Because, as John stated earlier, no one can say that um, that Messiah has come in the flesh. You know, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, except by uh, except by the Spirit of God. Uh, that's just not something someone says with conviction and truth, unless that's happened. They have this relationship with Messiah. So whoever, whosoever believes that Yeshua is the Messiah is born of God, and everyone that loves Him, that begat love, Him also that is begotten of Him. And everyone that loves Him, that begat loves him also that is begotten of him that is that that if you love the lord you're also going to love his people that those you know because you're in the same family uh by adoption by the spirit of adoption by which we can cry abba father uh that if if we if we love him that begat you know that we're born of god we love him that he we're born again because of him. We're also going to love those that who are begotten of him, that that are also uh, born again. And by this we, by this we know that we love the children of God. If there's any any confusion about who's begotten of him, <laughs> him the begotten uh, loves him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep His commandments, now isn't that interesting? You would think, well, this is this is how we know that we love the children of God that we that we um, you know that we send them to get well cards or or you know we do nice things for them. Well, maybe, but you know your unbelieving atheist friends and neighbors can send you get well cards, do nice things for you, whatever. The love we know that we love the children of God, not in in um, actions toward the person per se, though there's nothing wrong with those. But we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. Because remember, when Yeshua was questioned about what the greatest commandment was, He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, quoting from Deuteronomy, and also to love your neighbor as yourself. Once again, quoting from Deuteronomy. But our, and if you look at the Ten Commandments that are so popular, uh, which are just ten of 613 in the Old Testament, um, you know, the first four deal with loving God. It's our vertical relationship, our spiritual relationship with God, and the remaining six deal with uh, our relationship with our neighbor, uh, you know, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, shalt not steal, bear false witness, covet, uh, those things. So, uh, so it begins with having a right relationship with God, and then because of that, we have a right right relationship with our neighbor. So there's nothing, there's nothing in here that we don't already find in all the scriptures. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God, because that's got to be first, and keep his commandments. And if we're doing that, then we are loving our neighbor. We are loving our, our fellow believers. Because if we love God, we're going to keep his commandments. And those commandments include um, um, you know, treating our, our neighbors well. And so 
so I think that's that's very astute here of John to say that. This is his measurement. You want to know that you love the children of God? It's not by the things. The primary measurement is not what you how you treat your neighbor. But if you love your if you love God and keep His commandments, then then it's a given uh, that you're going to be loving the children of God. Verse 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Um, that the while, while we may not be able to live by his commandments perfectly, you know, otherwise we would need a savior, we still endeavor to keep them. And his commandments aren't grievous. It's like, yeah, these suck. And I really... <laughs> Don't really want to do this. Don't want to love my neighbors myself. I'd rather covet that they shouldn't be. If we love God, his commandments shouldn't be grievous. Uh, In order to please him, we should want to keep them. Um, His commandments aren't grievous. Instead, something that we want to do out of love for him, out of response. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So whatsoever is born of God, and that would really be a whosoever, um, is born of God. And again, that's by believing and receiving Messiah. It's something that he initiates, we respond to. Um, If we're born of God, we overcome the world, you know, because John earlier talked about all that was in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, you know, and who would ever, whoever would um, uh, be a friend of the world uh, makes himself an enemy of God, that um, the world is the things, the world system are the things that would appeal to our, our flesh and our, our gratification and creature comforts. And really pull us down, you know. the The end of those things is death. Uh, but whoever is born of God, you know, is born anew spiritually, uh, overcomes the world. Um, while we may be tempted by those things, uh, positionally, we we've overcome the world because as heirs of God, um, you know, heirs of His promises. Uh, we're sure to overcome the world. This isn't the end of us. Um, We have our home in heaven. So whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. By placing our faith uh, in Messiah, uh, we're guaranteed to overcome the world. Verse 5, Who is he that overcomes the world, but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Um, he that believes Yeshua is the Son of God again, believe and receive him Messiah that's how you overcome the world and uh, yeah, I know it's repeated several ways but it's important that John repeats this um, and we'll see in a little bit again this, this clear cut thing this, 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 this theme this message of God is light and in him is no darkness at all um, it's not complicated, it's not confusing, it shouldn't be, it's not this list of, 
uh, may or may not be like like ingredients unpackaged may include one or more of the following it's like well, what does that mean that like well may include means it may not include it's like don't you know what's in here <laughs> and i understand that sometimes they use this sometimes you that whatever ingredients are available especially when it comes to types of vegetable oils or something like that but but you don't know if you happen to have allergy to some of these things well you probably don't want to buy that you know it's like may include one more of the following well that doesn't really tell me anything because to say it may include it's the same as saying as it may not include so here's a list of things that may or may not be in here <laughs> okay what have you just told me that uh, there's a risk of one of these things being here but none of them might not be in there at all um, it's not like that with God. As we'll see, who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God, that Yeshua is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, and that is, um, he came by water, that is, uh, the this natural birth, uh, i.e. born of a woman, when the amniotic sac breaks, you know, uh, water breaks, uh, born of water is, is talking about a physical human birth. We see that in John chapter 3 as well. Um, it's um, just a, just, I don't want to say really a euphemism, just a, a, as an expression um, common in, in the Hebrew culture, born of water means natural birth. Um, that he came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by, but water and blood. And, and you think, well, um, isn't, aren't we all born of blood? We're blood. Well, uh, no, not in this case. He was born of water, physically born of water, but by water and, uh, and blood. And that is that, um, as I understand it, it could be wrong, but that in basically he shed his blood, um, his, his, his experience of humanity was complete. Um, as Paul writes in, in Philippians chapter four about, um, you know, he, he he exhorts the readers, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, you know, who being in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be tenaciously held on to, but emptied himself as of privileges and took on appearance of a man and, uh, you know, as a servant obedient to death, even death on the cross, that it wasn't just that he became a man, but uh, a servant, not just a servant, but obedient to death, and not just any death, but death on the cross, humiliating death, um, and on our behalf. Um, he was tempted in every way we are, yet without sin, and, and died a death that we deserve. Um, the crucifixion, very humiliating, you know, extreme kind of death. So not by water only, but water and blood, and it is the spirit that bears witness because the spirit is truth. And we're not going to go back to John chapter 15 and 16 and all that, or even 14, <laughs> where Yeshua promises the Holy Spirit to come and lead us into all truth and remind 
us of what he taught, etc. But the Spirit is truth. Uh, the Holy Spirit is truth. Um, as Yeshua said, he doesn't speak of himself, but those things that I spoke, you know, take of what is from me and give it to you. For there are three that bear a record in heaven. The Father, the Word, that would be Yeshua, uh, the Word become flesh, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Now, some of you may have an English translation that does not have that verse. Uh, because those words, that verse, doesn't appear in manuscripts that are presumed to be older, yet they're fewer, way, way fewer. Um, uh, there, there are a handful of manuscripts that don't have that verse in it. Um, most of them do, but the one, the few that don't, they are presumed to be older, and some have said, well, because they're older, they're more reliable. They're closer to the time of being written, but we're not going to get into textual criticism right now. <sighs> we could go for a long time about that, but um, I think that kind of thinking has has problems for many reasons. But I see no reason why it wouldn't be in in the original manuscripts that there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, Word, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, this isn't the only Trinitarian scripture in the New Testament, or even the Old Testament for that matter. That is something that's taught in scripture, the, the Trinity, the triune nature of God that they're individuals, yet these three are one. Uh, according to Deuteronomy chapter 6, Behold, our God is one, echad, uh, one in unity. Um, and there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree. Now, um, now this is interesting. Three that bear record in heaven: the Father, the Word, or you know, is well, you could say Jesus or Yeshua, but that's that's the man, Christ Jesus. The Word became flesh when He took on human flesh. That was His identity, and still is because now He's still in a body, although a glorified body. But prior to the incarnation, He he forever was and and wasn't a human being so the father the word and the holy ghost these three are one and and three that bear witness in the earth uh the spirit the water and the blood and it's interesting here spirit is not capitalized so the translators um feel that it's not uh speaking of the holy spirit the water, of course, I think that's based on other Jewish writings, and other, you know, including the New Testament, that the water speaking natural birth and blood, and these three agree in one. So I don't know if if John is is talking about um, if John is talking about um, you know, from an earthly human perspective, or or from a God-man perspective, um, 
there's the heavenly witness and there's what our experience of God on earth, the word become flesh. And, and to be honest, I don't know. I don't, um, I'm not sure what that means. Um, so there, just throwing that out there. I'm going to be honest, seeing if, um, anyone out there, I know there's a little bit of delay, but anybody else studied up on this and, um, feel like they have a handle on the three that agree on earth, the water or the spirit, the water and the blood, uh, be interested in, in getting your, um, take on that. I'm looking at the various platforms. Mixer is having some issues. Twitch, YouTube. Yeah, I don't have a view of Periscope from here. Anyway. So, anyway. Verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, then the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believe on the Son of God has this witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave his son. So, so John's saying, if we receive the witness of men, um, and I think maybe this may be a little bit uh, of a veiled reference to religious leaders, teachers, and even theologians, and even, maybe not even so much Jewish theologians, rabbis, but those at the time when uh, Gnosticism was uh, rising its its ugly head and other heresies coming about with this uh, interpretation of, of, well, not a real interpretation, just own theology that uh, Yeshua, Jesus, wasn't really divine, and if he was, he didn't... Um, uh, never took on human flesh because you know the spirit is good and and material things are evil and and all sorts of weird things that were being propagated at this time and so maybe uh, a reference to that if we receive the witness of men or or even if he could be talking about the apostles themselves if we were receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he had testified of his son. And and going back, um, I think of Peter writing in his epistle about they heard the word from heaven, you know, concerning although they saw the witnesses of Christ's transfiguration, they heard the word of God. And even that, he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy, uh, speaking of the Old Testament. So uh, even, you know, it's kind of this hierarchy of, of testimony. He says, we, we saw with our own eyes, you know, this transfiguration that happened. That's one thing. You might believe that. But there was the voice of God. He said, you know, this is my beloved son. Hear him. But you know what? <laughs> Beyond our own eyewitness and the voice of God, we have a more sure word of prophecy, you know, that we find written 
uh, in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament. And there's a similar dynamic here. Uh, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness that he testified of his son. That there is a... That there is a... There is a, a record. There is there is the... Are you know who No, not too much more. Yeah, I did. Gnosticism exhausts man's wisdom. Yeah, that's what he said. I would agree with that because it's um yeah the whole thing is that um, the Freemasons are modern Gnostics. Well, they kind of are in a way, aren't they? Hmm. Food well, thought. they're not biblical by oh, any yeah, stretch. Oh yeah, no, no, um, neither were the Gnostics. Well, yeah, but you know, it really blows me away. Not to go off on a whole rabbit trail there, but what's your head seems so big. Yeah, it's because I'm leaning forward. Yeah, doing the therapy thing. There we go. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, what blows me away is how the Freemasons do like satanic stuff, and yet they are in a church as a Christian, and it's like they're. Loyalties are clearly divided. I don't right. don't even get me started on that. But anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, let me uh, just finish up through verse 12. Okay. All right. Because I'm super tired. I want to go All to right. bed. I got you. So <laughs> the, there's there's this testimony of, of the Lord. Um, uh, even the Old Testament, you know, the road to Emmaus, you know, Jesus explained to them. Or, you know, all the things occurring himself, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, all the, all the writings, you know, declare the things concerning himself. So there's, there's this record of, of Messiah, of coming Messiah, and who he was, or who he would be, and what he would do, etc., etc. So he that believes not God has made him a liar, because he believes not the record that God gave of his son. And so, and this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now, again, the real simple things of, you know, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. It's just, it's it's clear cut. There's no area of gray. And so let's let's not miss this here. This is the record. God hath or has God has given us eternal life past tense it's a done deal uh, he planned it throughout the ages it was executed according to his perfect will perfect timing you know the fullness of time God sent forth his son born of a woman etc um, he was supposed to suffer ri rise the third day it was all prophesied planned for centuries and and so to give eternal life this way. So God has given us eternal life. It happened. It's a done deal. It's been done. Messiah came, gave his life. Um, and this life is in his son. So it's not eternal life um, that we, it's something in the future that we may find or may get. God already gave it. Well, where is it? It's in his son. 
that he gave eternal life, eternal life in his son. So that he that has the son has life, and he that has not the son of God has not life. Um, no complicated formulas of whether, you know, who has eternal life, who doesn't, and who will get or won't get eternal life. No, God has given us eternal life. It's been delivered. It came in the package of his son. If you have his son, you've believed and received Messiah, then you have eternal life. And if you don't have him, then you don't have eternal life. Um, you know, as Yeshua said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No, man, no one comes to the Father but by me. Um, there isn't a plan B. There isn't a side road. There isn't a road that goes at the back. There isn't a detour, an alternate route, anything like that. That God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. If you have a son, you have eternal life. If you don't have a son, you don't have eternal life. And I'm just going to throw verse 13 in the 13 in there. These things I have written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may uh, believe on the name of the Son of God. Uh, it's not a, that you may wish, hope, or think that you may know that you have eternal life, because it's it's a long-established plan that was executed perfectly. And God has given us eternal life. Life is in his son. If you have a son, you have eternal life. And that's it. Um, and if you don't know whether or not you have eternal life, you want to know that you have eternal life, that is simply a matter of believing and receiving. Yeshua, Jesus, um, as as the Messiah, as the Christ, as as the as the Savior. Um, as the redeemer of your soul, and 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 that's it. Either have the son or you don't. If you have him, you've got eternal life. If you don't have him in your life, then you don't have eternal life. And John wrote these things unto them that believe on the name of the Son of God, that they might know that they have eternal life. All right, I'm done. Can join us again. Sure, you want me to? Yeah. Hello, people. Hello, people. Sean said he was going to stop making bad jokes over there. Okay. But he did. I don't know if it was a joke or not, buddy, but you know what's not a joke? My hair. Talking about apostles and apostolics, share your view on NAR. Well, um, I personally don't agree theologically with NAR. I know there are quite a few people on Periscope um, that do, but yeah. I, you know, look, if somebody's calling them themselves an apostle, if they're calling themselves a prophet, if all they talk about comes from visions or anything like that but it's not really grounded in god's word and it's not talked about biblically and in context you know with what's actually going on in god's word i just dismiss it i don't even listen to it because it's like yeah think of what i alluded to earlier peter in his epistle it says hey we witnessed 
the transfigured <clears throat> Christ, we heard the voice from heaven, but he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Right. And he speaks to the Old Testament that beyond anything we saw, not just in a vision, but, you know, in person with our eyes, and we heard this voice from heaven, wow, that should be something, that should be enough. He says, we've got a more sure word of prophecy. Going yeah. back to the Old Testament, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, apostles with a capital A, they're done with. Um, the criteria is in Acts chapter 1, none of these people calling themselves apostles fit that. They weren't there from the beginning or witnesses of the Lord's resurrection. Um, and Sean says they speak for themselves. They right. really do. Yeah, I mean, prophet with a capital P. Yeah. John the Baptist was the last of those, I believe, as we look at the really the office of of prophets in the Old Testament. You know, um, I shared this a couple of days ago, but. But the short version is, you know, locally, I'm, I just started a Bible study. Um, I was appointed, actually. <laughs> yep. Um, I really was. I you were. I didn't go about, it uh, was not my plan to start a Bible study. But I had some friends in my networking groups who were like, will you start a Bible study? And, and I'm like, have you ever thought about it? And I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> Would you? I'm like, okay, well, go ahead, set it up. <laughs> and they did. But here's the interesting thing. Um, you know, I went and I did it. And what I was told afterwards was, and, and I didn't say this. This is what they said. They said this was the best Bible study that they've been a part of because they weren't getting they're not getting the background. They're not getting the history. They're not getting the understanding. They're getting a whole bunch of opinions that have nothing to do with the context of what the Bible actually talks about. And you know, what's weird is, you know, I'm touched by that because I do take time to study what I'm trying to teach and learn from people who have more knowledge than I do. But here's the thing that's amazing and, you know, and I don't know, Randall, I think, I think it's probably happening with you too. It's my guess. But what I've noticed in the last, I don't know, last year anyway, as I've studied God's word just on my own, just actually reading the word of God, it's like it's being opened up and I'm understanding it in a way that I never understood it before. I'm seeing things like totally. I never saw before. And I really think at least for me, that God is just going, okay, look, look, kid, you know, I want to show you some other cool stuff. It's there. It's just that, like I told my, my ladies, it's there. We just don't stop to think about what we're reading. We don't stop to look at what we're reading, you know, and I, and I went, I'll go back to the whole John, um, chapter three story about, about, um, about the about Nicodemus asking his question, he didn't ask a question about being born again. He asked a specific question about being born again when he's old. he's old. And you never hear that part. Why? Because if you think about that part, you know, I mean, on the one hand, his question makes sense if you just read it at the way it's, it, it looks, but... 
But if you don't understand all of that background from where he's coming from, then that whole interaction doesn't have the power that it does if you actually look at it. Um, and I think that's what's missing. And you, you don't get that from NAR. You get a whole bunch of fluff stuff. And um, I call it vain philosophies. You get, I mean, that's what you get. Just, you know, tune in to Periscope. <laughs> Any given day, there's a gazillion prophets out there. And it's, it's just sad. We have 66 books of the Bible. Most of us don't know them. You know, we might get some highlights here and there, you know, but to actually take the time to dig into it, to, to examine it, to look at what's being said, that takes some time and discipline. And what really is sad to me and what really honestly breaks my heart personally is that believers will take hours out of their week to watch crap TV or read crappy romance novels or, you know, any number of things, but they won't invest that same amount of time reading God's word, you know, or they'll, they'll, they'll spend a ton of time, you know, trying to make money or, you know, being involved in sports or whatever, but they don't match it up with even a fraction of the time that they could being in God's word. You know, I honestly, you know, I've, I, Randall and I've had people tell us our whole marriage that we're so biblical and, you know, we're so knowledgeable of God's word, blah, blah, etc. And, you know, up until recently, I always thought, nah, not really. <laughs> but I think aside from it being God's gift in our life, I think it's true. I think that that we have more, quote, knowledge because we take more time to spend in God's word and read it. You know, it's not just taking a verse out of, of out of, out of um, context. Anybody can do that and make, you know, I mean, you, I could take any verse out of context and completely make up a story around it. But when you leave it in context, then you're forced to look at the story around it. And look at what's really being said. And I think, unfortunately, what happens, unfortunately, is that a lot of what's being said out there is it's um, taken out of context. It's not applied correctly. And um, as a result, you know, believers are anemic, really. I mean, they're spiritually anemic because they're not getting the truth. They're not being nourished. And what I can tell you is that people are... There, there are people out there who want to, to be discipled and there are people out there who are willing to, to take that time to invest, to be taught if you take the time to do it. And so, you know, this is just my exhortation to, to some of you out there who are in God's word and you understand it and you're a teacher. You know what? Hey, if one person comes to you and says, hey, you know what, would you teach me the Bible, do a one-on-one -on -one Bible study with me? Do it. Do it. I mean, one person, you never know who you're discipling. That person could be Billy Graham, the next Billy Graham, or, you know, if you don't like Billy Graham, it could be the next biblical teacher that you respect that could be out there and influence masses, you know, and it really begins in the home. If you're a parent, you'd be discipling those children. That's your job is to raise them up. <clears throat> And I guess maybe because I work in ministry with kids, 
um, you know, I see these children, I see this, these, uh, young men and young ladies, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and I see their hunger and thirst and I'm like, now if like, there's these two twins, if these two twins could memorize 70 verses of scripture and quote them like this, <laughs> you know, on verse night, then you can certainly memorize a verse a week. Okay. <laughs> so just saying anyway, so I hope that, I hope that answers your question. And, uh, you know, anyway, um, <clears throat> you know, for what it's worth. Uh, Amy Grant many years ago wrote a song called, um, fat baby. And <clears throat> I don't even know if you can actually, uh, hear it on YouTube or, or anything, but, but the whole gist of that song is that there's just a lot of fat babies out there. And it kind of ties into something I said over on TikTok. If you're not following me over there, I am, I'm actually doing a little series on the six ways to be born again and for a fair sake Judaism. I'm like, why am I doing this? But anyway, but today I veered from that and I made a little rant about, um, about millennials who claim that they can't live on their own after they turn 18 because life is so much difficult. It's so hard. And it's like, it's a bunch of BS. Anybody who wants to do something will find a way to do it, you know, and it cracks me up because, you know, I don't think it's harder to live in today's day and age compared to when I graduated and I moved out on my own at 18. Um, I have, you know, I know some millennials who are girls who live on their own. They have their own businesses. And I know some millennials who are boys who still have a mommy and daddy's house and have them put a roof over their head uh, and pay for their college. And I'm like, that's sad. And yeah, I know that there's circumstances I get. Sometimes maybe that person's saving money for a house, etc. But to say, oh, I can't afford to is a bunch of, it's a load of crap. Anybody can do whatever they want. And I'm like, you know, if a drug addict can figure out a way to get their drugs, then somebody else who can figure out a way to do something better, right? I mean, I've been selling books, you know, on the flip side, you know, when I'm doing Legal Shield, one thing, but I just sold $200 worth of books that I found in my house. I figured out a way to sell them and make some money because we need money, you know, to pay some of our bills. But, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> if I can find $200 worth of books in my house, then you can find a way to do whatever it is that you say you want to do and stop acting like a victim. That's what drives me crazy. But anyway, that's another rant for another day. Uh, <laughs> you didn't ask for that one, but anyway. Um, yeah, so there you have it. Yeah, Barb says Freemasonry is satanic, period, and Sharon says good word it's over on YouTube. So, yeah. So anyway, there you have it, people. Yanni, you have anything else to say? No? Am um, I done no. now? Okay, good, because my good. eyes are very tired. Ugh. Yeah, they are. And my dog, Grover, he ate his new dog food tonight. Yeah, he did. I was so happy for him. <laughs> our dogs just, our dogs have been on strike. They haven't been eating, or eating the food that we've been giving them, and it's like, really? Animals. But anyway. All right, be bold, people. And here's the other thing. I'll say this. Look. 
when you're in God's word and you're learning it, you're meditating on it, even if you do it two or three times a week, not even every day, it will increase your boldness because you'll have the ability to defend and understand what the heck it is that you believe. And I think that's part of the reason I always say, be bold, stand up and go with God because he loves you. And you can know that securely if you're actually reading his word and you see that in there, right? Yes, I'm going to go get some sleep now. So I'll see you later, people.